What if it's a big hoax and we create a better world for nothing? I think I really want to be part of creating that better world. I was probably the last person I would have thought would have come online and supported this. If this was seven or eight years ago, I don't think I would have had the ability to comprehend the seriousness of climate change. It's only from my role on council and what I've learned on council has made that clarity, has made that clear. And I'm, I'm quite proud to be a, a late convert to the whole environmental aspect of living on this planet. Nine of us tonight have the ability to do something that no one else in Glenora can do tonight. We have the opportunity tonight to actually make some significant long-term change. 150,000 residents or more in Glenora cannot do that tonight. Only the nine of us can. I'm Belinda Hayden, a member of GCAN, the Glenira Emergency Climate Action Network. I've been worried about climate change for the last decade and campaigning for about the last year. Since lockdown, I've restarted learning my saxophone. My name is Eleanor Hasenfratz. I am the Programs and Communications Coordinator for the Jewish Climate Network. I have been um, much more aware and feeling the real concern over our changing climate since becoming a mum last year, um, but I've been peripherally aware but not wanting to look at it for a long time. Since social distancing has set in, I have discovered the wonderful freedom of whacking my toddler on the back of a bicycle and riding around my neighbourhood, which has been just wonderful. On Tuesday, May 5th, Australia was 54 days into lockdown. Nearly a full two months before, on March 12th, the World Health Organization declared a state of global pandemic. Here in Melbourne, where I'm based, the F1 was cancelled, and then schools, along with everything else. Business, as usual, ceased. But community engagement and organizing on the climate crisis didn't. 54 days later, into lockdown, the Glen Iris City Council in Melbourne's southeast declared a climate emergency. But they didn't just declare it. They also committed to appropriate crisis-level action. Maybe it's easier when you're already in a crisis, and the unprecedented is your daily reality, to recognize your house is on fire and act accordingly. With me to tell this story, leading up to some excerpts from that momentous council session, and the speeches that will surely be highlights of these city councillors' careers in public service, are two locals who weren't stopped by lockdown, pandemic, or paralysis in the face of the climate emergency. They got on with it, and share some great lessons on how we can all do the same. You're both sounding really good. Thank you for doing this as well, like so short notice, and like for for having you know something that you can like speak into. It was a miracle, like a month ago, when people actually had a microphone in their house, and I feel like. Now, if you don't have a microphone, you just haven't been able to take part in society for the last month. So it's like table stakes now. Yeah, totally. 
what is both of your recording situations like? Well, like paint a little, you know, picture of your setup at the moment. Just plugged into my Mac. I, a few weeks ago, I bought some new sound cancelling headphones that are. Ooh. Um, it was just more for phone calls and to um, stay focused. Um, so yeah, that's quite great. And they're Bluetooth, but I find that if I use the wire with the inline microphone, that works. Um, mm-hmm quite well yeah you're you're coming through really well which is nice so that that's very normal you're you're got headphones plugged into a laptop Uh, eleanor i'm expecting something unconventional from you i don't know why (laughs) maybe it's all the gardening i see you doing Um, just the free spirit you are i'm flattered i guess no i've also (laughs) just got a laptop at a table but it is a table that my dad built and it's a quaker folding table design so there's no screws or anything in it it's just made it's like put together with wooden pegs with these bits and it folds away because we're in a very small apartment which is cool um and my husband works he, he's he's made a standing desk out of nappy boxes and an upside down coals basket facing the wall which is very grim every time i walk in and he's standing there tapping away in the corner like he's been bad yeah yeah You're it's a work also, in progress oh well, it sounds like it is working though in like that's good. Yeah, it surprisingly is. It's odd how, you know, there's so much to be said about the, how rapidly this is all changing and what's going to be permanent and what's not. Um, but, you know, we've just kind of fast forwarded through many, many years of changes in the workplace into a couple of weeks. And mm-hmm. I guess that's just what happens. It works because it has to, you know. Yeah, it's it's amazing the sort of elegant solutions like you know things like victory gardens and stuff we look back on during you know World War Two mm. and other times of like you know privation and resource scarcity and what looks like oh what an elegant solution to that is simply like well when there's no other option this is what you're left with and you just have to get on with it totally needs must yeah yeah that's right. To sort of set the stage here, you know, we're in the throes of it, right? We're in the the depths, the the deep ISO lockdown period. It's like I I lose track of the days and you know, let alone the weeks. Are we like week seven, week eight? We're we're really far into this thing, and during this situation, it seems like you know, for those of us members of the climate community, uh, it's been a bit grim. Um, it's been like you know, attempts at virtual uh protest uh there's been lots of email chains there's been lots of you know calls to mp's offices and stuff which is really good but how have you both sort of felt in the last couple months as members of you know respective climate groups and sort of the broader climate community about how we're able to engage with the other crisis at this time not just the the covid stuff in some ways for me it feels quite normal but in in other ways with regards to you know getting out and doing climate action, um, I feel very much hampered um, and in a bit of a holding pattern. But that said, there's just, you know, as I think most people would know, there's just so much happening online and um, to the point that I think that the opportunities are now are as overwhelming as they were before, <laughs> to, particularly to engage in climate action and upskilling and all, that, all of that kind of thing. Is just fantastic, particularly because there's there are people who were occupied with work that they're not occupied, so they ha- do have time. Some people, I'm still working as much as I was, um, and it's just as intense as it was. 
um, but I'm just doing it from a different place. Mm-hmm. So um, I think things feel fr- very, very similar. It's just the the lack of going out and engaging with people and talking to people in the community, and that's a big part of the role that I am aiming to play in this is doing coordination and, and engaging with people in the community about their concerns about climate change. So mm-hmm. all, all of that is really not happening very much as as it was before. And it's completely, that is completely different um, and just trying different ways of engaging and mm-hmm. different ways of trying to keep everything moving forward. Um, this kind of crisis in this way, it just demonstrates that we can respond to the climate crisis in an equal way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, well said. So at the moment, there there's a lot of stuff going on. There's, there is a lot of ways to use your time, but there's also, uh, on the flip side, there's not as much kind of tangible actions going on. And, and we're going to get talking here about one particular kind of tangible thing that has recently, as of, you know, last night happened, and uh, yourself, Belinda, you know, you're saying that you've you've been able to use this time a bit to play a coordinating role and organizing role. We'll talk a bit about what that role is, Eleanor. Just just to get sort of you know, how's it been going for you during this time with uh, you know a young child <laughs> and everything else going on? Yeah, it's it's been really fascinating, and I think um, people have been saying the the narrative has kind of shifted from we're all in this together to actually no, we're not. Well, we're all in this together, but using a more appropriate analogy of we're all in the same storm but we're in different boats um, to kind of keep an awareness that people are having really different experiences. And I feel, I mean, I've got a one-and-a-half-year-old and my partner is working full-time from home and he's actually busier than, than he's ever been. He's, like, working after the boy goes to bed pretty much every night, which is, like, very unwelcome development, I have to say. Yeah. Um, you know, for all of the busy, like, I'm completely – you know, I'm doing childcare full time, basically, which thankfully is a delight most of the time. But it means that I'm um, getting in my work, you know, just squeezing it in around the edges, which is really difficult. But at the same time, I'm really grateful that I've got a pre-made structure that's unignorable. And I think it'd be really tough if I didn't have Lev. I would just, you know, that feeling of the days melding from one into the other and have I actually achieved anything and when did I last have a shower and all that sort of stuff would just be so much more intense. So I am frustrated on one hand that I don't have as much time to do the work that I want to do, um, but on the, other hand, on, the, on the other hand just really aware and grateful that I've got someone who needs me to look after him and feed him and entertain him all day every day basically. It's been so interesting to realise how human I am and how human we all are and Mm -hmm. as humans how like unbelievably mammalian and beyond that reptilian we all are like I kind of knew all of this stuff about I knew it intellectually about when you're in fight or flight mode and you're in a crisis you know our amygdalas don't function in the same kind of way and we're not able to have that higher order thinking and thinking about you know things that are far off in the future which is a huge reason um as I understand it, why people find it so difficult. We all find it difficult to think about climate because it's this invisible faraway threat mm-hmm. until it's not. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, I was like this gung-ho climate warrior just starting to get my get my life together <laughs> and um, going from being a primary school teacher, not really involved in it at all, to moving um, industries and 
sort of quitting my job and doing weekly protests and meeting MPs and stuff Mm -hmm. to suddenly just not having capacity to think about climate at all. And I knew that was fine and I was very forgiving and gentle on myself. It was really only in the last week and a half maybe that I started to resurface and I just think that's been really true informally of a lot of people in the climate movement, certainly some of the informal networks that I'm in. Yeah. Um, I think it's tempting to say, you know, you should rest and engage in self-care and da-da-da-da and that's all well and good but it often doesn't feel very actual, it doesn't actually feel very nice and nourishing to do those things. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it just feels crap and it just is crap. Um, So I think that's been true, certainly of my experience, it seems to be true of other people I know in the movement of just, you know, they just got hit over the head with this thing and just I was not able to think about it. So it's actually been such a welcome reprieve to have this campaign come up, which you're about to talk about next, Mm -hmm. which Belinda did so much work and the Glenara Climate Action Network did so much work behind the scenes to organise And I feel really grateful personally that I could just jump in at the last minute and have a really tangible goal to put my energy towards rather than casting around for which of the myriad of unsolvable things am I going to try and solve from my living room, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's been a wild ride and I'm just um, trying to take a step back continually, you know, at the end of every day just um, being aware that we're in a pandemic and Mm -hmm. it's okay if we're not super productive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, thank you both of you for that very kind of just, yeah, that, that very human sharing of the roller coaster ride it's been for you for the last six weeks, eight weeks. It, it is hard to actually keep track of, of where we're at in this. And yeah, the, the high points and low points and, and everything in between. And um, I especially love having people on who, like me, kind of don't feel like we're not experts. Why are, why are we the ones being asked to speak about any of this stuff is because that's what regular people feel and that's what um relates to people is you know all the stuff you just said both you belinda and and you eleanor that i'm just yeah i'm resonating with so much and i i feel uh oh yeah oh, that's my experience too i i connect with that and i'm being seen and um at the moment i think the isolation factor is is quite big so any chance we can get to kind of reconnect with our communities is is, is daunting right because like how do you reconnect with people when you can't physically be near them? It's 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 being with people in a different context. But then when something happens, like last night, and we're just about to start talking about that now, is, oh man, getting to feel that power again of what you can do when you are back with your community and you are acting as a body and it is empowering again. And kind of that's what I've been missing personally for the last two months is that sense of like, of the power of being able to work with others. ISO has has really challenged the ways in which we did that before. And that's why last night is so exciting that using the tools we've got, that we can act in concert and and get some stuff done. So as we record this, it's Wednesday night, the 6th of May. And so last night, Tuesday, the 5th of May, uh, something happened. And I figured, Belinda, you might be a good person here to kind of give an overview of of what happened, and I know you're probably going to diminish your role in it, and that's why I'm going to have Eleanor then come in and talk about what Belinda did to get this amazing thing over the line. So, Belinda, what happened last night? Uh, so last night the Glen Ira City Council, a council area in the southeast of Melbourne, home to um, suburbs like Caulfield and Elstonwick that people might know of, had a, a special council meeting 
and uh, one of the main items on the agenda was action on climate. It was all pretty complex how it went down, but um, the there was a vote on um, climate action and what kinds of climate action the council would vote would take, and the councillors voted for the most aggressive option that was um, provided to them, which was just fantastic. And by um, aggressive, you mean like the most, yeah, the most sort of optimistic vision, the most, the most engaged with the climate crisis. Correct. Yes. So wow. um, reducing emissions um, and getting to neutral ASAP for um, council and the community. There's a lot more detail around that, but that was just so quite mind-blowing that that was that was the really substantial thing that happened and it was well supported by the by the councillors um i might need to check but i'm pretty sure it was seven councillors who um voted for that motion and two abstained wow not not a single against no so that was that was it was brilliant um and um, just as an aside the, the group that we're involved in, GCAN, the Glen Ira Emergency Climate Action Network, we had a Zoom call going at the same time. So we were watching the live stream and we were we were chatting and talking to one another at the same time. So it was really lovely to have, like it was, was like we were sitting in the room together having um, dinner and drinks and watching it all happen. And that, so the that community feel... It really was. It really was. And some people invited their friends. So there were some new faces we hadn't met before. It was um, people were taking bets on what was going to happen next. And, <laughs> well, not bets, literally, but um, it was friendly really wagers. friendly wagers. It was just really good in the analysis that was going on. And so the last item um, for that agenda was whether or not the council would declare a climate emergency. Um, and that is the specific thing that our group have been campaigning towards is the declaration of a climate emergency. Um, so we we know that council emissions really contribute to about 1% of um, the emissions in the council area. So it's community where we need to get the most change. Um, and, you know, our sense is that if we don't declare a climate emergency, then how do how do we send a really strong message to people in the community that, we are in a climate emergency, everybody needs to know, and we all need to do everything that we can mm-hmm. to avert this crisis. So there was a, a really good and long, robust debate. Um, Eleanor might have some more to add, but I was blown away by Dan Strait, Councillor Dan Strait. Um, he's very passionate um, arguments about why we should declare a climate emergency um, all based on the science, you know, we, we don't need to be denying science. We need to listen to the science and we need to get the community on board. Um, it would be wonderful if we could share a clip of that uh, as part of this podcast. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, and eventually um, it, it did, it come to the, came to the vote. Um, the councillors indicated which way they were going to go. So, and I went into this meeting thinking, this is not going to happen tonight. We this is just one step in the process and we're going to keep need, needing to work and keep building relationships with councillors and the community so that we can get this happening. Um, and in the end, it was five councillors who voted for the motion, 
three abstained mm-hmm. and one was against. And so they voted to declare a climate emergency. Wow. And going in, you would have put the chances of that happening at 0%? 50 maybe. I was mm-hmm. very, was very much not really sure about what was going to happen. I'm, not not I'm, to make a wager on it or anything. Yeah. <laughs> no. I'm, um, but I'm reasonably new to the community. I don't know the council that well. I don't know mm-hmm. the community that well. So given what I'd been told, that was sort of what, what I'd gathered. Um, mm. And it was just heartening to see the humanity and the passion and the commitment. And um, one of the councillors, Councillor Jim McGee talked about how 10 years ago, there's no way he would have voted for something like this, but he talked about how he's witnessed all of the things that have been going on around the country mm-hmm. um, and how things have changed in recent times. And, yeah, as I said, wonderful to see councillors being real humans and not politicians. Wow. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought that would be possible. I'm so happy to hear that that's what happened last night. And isn't that a reassuring and, and positive sign? And I, I wonder how much this is happening, actually, in the, the the post-bushfire summer, of course, the famous 2019, 2020, you know, now worldwide infamous fires that we lived through. I wonder how many councils have declared climate emergencies or or stopped throwing up science denial uh, reasons for not engaging with the climate crisis. Um, of course, you know, for the last two months, the news has been nothing but COVID, but I really wanted to jump on this story uh, to kind of tell it to the wider climate community because Glen Ira is a, a large municipality. Uh, it's also, you know, being a seat in Melbourne, it has kind of outsized influence and and I think, you know, somewhat a uh, definitely a mixed area, you know, if not, you know, al- altogether conservative area, but definitely like there's an older demographic and it's you know, very established. It's an older suburb, older area. This getting declared is a really good sign that, you know, for those of us thinking like, oh, there, there's no oxygen left in the room right now. There's, there's no way to talk about anything that's not recession or, or pandemic. The fact that we can get a city council to declare a climate emergency with that kind of ratio of votes is is staggering. So well done to, to GCAN, well, well done, Belinda. Um, Eleanor, is there anything you'd, you'd add to that, and what you took away or what you kind of saw of the story leading up to last night? So this was my first council meeting. Um, my partner used to work um, for local council as a planner, and so I just always felt like I would never, ever find a council meeting interesting. Not that he ever bored me with the details. I was just like, sure, surely there is just no world in which I'm going to spend hours on a live stream <laughs> as a council <laughs> um, special meeting. But it was actually enthralling. There was Firstly, I was really excited at the beginning and then they ended up talking about dog parks and dog poo for quite a long time. Um, and my people from my organisation were also watching and that was a lovely little you know, in physical distancing, isolation, bit of connection that we're all on the WhatsApp thread commenting together. That was really lovely. And we kept, <laughs> you know, have they started yet? I don't want to miss it. And then you launch back in and they're talking about dog poo on the side of the road. It was great. Um, very parks and rec. Um, but once they got going, I agree with Belinda, it was actually really, um, really startling how well everybody spoke. Again, Dan Strait, 
just from one, I'm, my background is as a teacher and from one educator to another, because he's a, a vice principal at a local school, I was just so impressed to hear how clearly he was speaking. And I know that he's also holding the best interests and the and the wishes of his students, I think, in his heart. And it's really excellent to hear people working in schools, really holding that in the forefront of their minds. Um, and again, also Jimmy Gabe was just outstanding. Like, and again, as an educator, to hear him really demonstrate growth mindset and to move beyond politics into mm. I have received the evidence and I have changed my mind um, was really, really lovely. So I had no idea how it was going to end going in. I was quite nervous actually um, and I was really, really just incredibly pleased. And I I know that, um, I mean, my other experience in this is as the community, uh, the programs and communications coordinator for the Jewish Climate Network. So my quite small role in this was contacting our, you know, our member list and interacting with people across emails and on Facebook and encouraging them to call and email and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure all of you have a similar experience, or at least it feels very, I mean, this is true for me, that I get so many emails from so many worthy causes and I never like respond to any of them because <laughs> I just don't have capacity. Um, yeah, yeah. And I was just so blown away by people on our mailing list responding, um, not only taking up the call to action, but also this morning when I sent out another email saying, you know, we did it, it happened. People, I got dozens and dozens of responses um, and I know that the councillors received dozens and dozens of responses and calls and emails from people in the community, which was just so, uh, so heartening for me to know that I live in an area where it might feel sometimes quite conservative and it might feel not quite as crunchy as the inner north where everyone's, Mm -hmm. you know, got mullets and blundstones and is very cool and is thinking about climate change all the time, um, which is a huge generalisation. I I don't think ever blundstones have been accused of being a hippie brand either. You know, Birkenstocks, maybe. Oh, um. <laughs> you got to get with the times, Mark. They're all the rage. <laughs> oh, geez. Okay. I'm um, far behind. To know that, like, this is my community and, you know, the the people who are deciding on this vote are still people and they do have their own views, but also this is, you know, local representative democracy in action and they have listened to the people. Maybe mm. not all of their residents will agree with what they have done going both ways, but it got through and they represent Glen Ira and that's my neighbourhood and I'm so proud. Like I'm surprised <laughs> by how much it actually affected me. Like when Port mm. Phillip declared and Stonington declared, I was like, yep, great, okay, good. And it didn't yeah. re- you know, then I got on with my day. Um, yep. Being a little bit involved at the very, very end of this campaign and then being able to really be swept along by the success. I feel profoundly grateful that people like Belinda and people in that Climate Action Network for uh, Glen Ira have been able to really knuckle down and do the work and also that people in the climate mobilization movement have been able to work together to share advice and resources Um, and I know there are some really excellent people who've helped to get this declaration happening in different councils who've helped with this one as well yeah you know that's just what it's all about there are people coming together who don't know each other who just have a common cause and that's been really really nourishing for me yeah, it really warmed yeah. my heart. So I'm feeling very warm and fuzzy today, which is great. <laughs> so the, the whole day, you've just been sort of like gliding through the day, just I this actually afterglow? Have. Yes. And because this is something I would normally advise my students to do, 
I felt so um, pleased and I really wanted to mark the occasion. So I actually went, and I know you saw this on Facebook earlier. Mm-hmm. Put on a dress. I took off my pajamas. I put on a dress and earrings, <laughs> which for someone who's got a one and a half year old is like a very rare occasion. I'm surprised you um, could find them. Yeah, I know. Normally he would yank them out of my ears. And I went and got someone to take some photos of me. And like my brother took some photos of me in the garden observing social distancing so that I could say, hey, we had a win and it feels good. And it's not just in this kind of miasma and fog of. I'm just a person and this feels like an unsolvable problem. Like this is the real deal. And to hear how passionately the councillors spoke about this issue yesterday just made it so much more real for me um, that they really took this decision seriously and they didn't all agree and I didn't agree with all of them either, but it wasn't just a um, this feels like the next step. Like it was really a very big deal. (laughs) Sorry, that's my kid. That's all right. Very excited to see (laughs) me. Hello. Yeah, I, I'm so happy you did take that moment this morning, Eleanor, to to do something beyond the the wall of text post. Um, you know, we do have fatigue of getting the emails from the good causes because we know we feel like obligated to do something, and we only have so much time. And, and there's so many good causes out there, and and after a campaign like this, you kind of want to yeah get the story out and get the news out, but you're competing, you're jockeying for space with other you know wall of text posts. And I love what you did, yeah, going out to the back garden and just having this yeah, this impromptu photo shoot. And you can see it on your face, the joy, the civic pride, the hope you were feeling and, and happiness over something. And I think that was a really good idea and um, and well worth emulating for other groups as well. So when you've got to win, take that chance to yeah, take some photos of your team being human and being happy. Thank you so much, and I'm so glad that civic pride shows in my face. Yeah, it really <laughs> <Because> does. <laughs> that's definitely what I was feeling. So that's it's really lovely, and it's it's something I've learned from other people. And yeah, I agree. I think we need to. Um, we just have to take the time to celebrate the wins mm, yeah. wherever we can. You know, bring yeah. in the joy where possible. That's right, and there hasn't been a lot. You know, the the climate movement has kind of felt in hibernation for the last two months, and that's why this victory is such a a big thing for us. It kind of feels like this spark that's going to light up the uh, the tinder again. And that's the wrong metaphor to be using in this country, uh, recovering from the bushfire season we, we've had and that we'll keep having. But it feels like a, like a signal fire. I don't know. I'll, I'll come up with a better metaphor. But um, I, I don't want to keep you guys much longer because I know this is very impromptu and you're, you know, it's less than 24 hours ago this happened. You've all got evenings to get to. But just really quickly, I, I want to tell this whole story of how this happened because I know there's lots of people involved, there's groups, there's lots of groundwork. I'm going to pull some clips out from that one particular counselor who you were both really impressed by and maybe have his whole kind of speech at the end of the episode. But I want to put the call out that, you know, for people who are involved with this, get in touch with me, drop an email to hello at climactic.fm. I'd love to to help or to make it myself if I have to but kind of do a full episode about the chronology, the groundwork, how this happens. Um, because I, I feel guilty because I, I was the guy who breezed into Port Phillip City Council uh, just about a year ago and said, oh, hey, all the chess pieces are right here. The board is set. Port Phillip should declare a climate emergency. I already know a few of the councillors, and they've been guests on, on the show. So I you know, got some signatures, not very many, put it on the agenda for the council, went and spoke for it, and they declared. And I'm not a resident of Port Phillip, and I really, you know, didn't hardly know half the players in that community. 
And that's not a great um, roadmap to give someone else to achieve this. Kind of everything was ready, and I just came along and gave it a prod, and, and Port Phillip fell and declared a climate emergency. I'd love to maybe get from each of you just a couple of, of key points of what you thought was really effective about what was done in the lead up to last night and what made last night possible. So you had that, that key counselor who spoke so passionately and, and, and articulately, and it sounds like knowledgeably about the crisis. You know, was he contacted beforehand? Um, how many groups were, were active? And, and Eleanor, I'll go to you first because I know that, you know, the, um, the Jewish, the, the Jewish Climate Action Network? Jewish Climate Network. The Jewish Climate Network. You know, you guys were out there mobilizing your members. Uh, you know, what did you do to do that effectively? Something that I'm really proud of is that the everyone on the board of the Jewish Climate Network, when they decided to join the Glenira Emergency Climate Action Network in their in this particular campaign to declare a climate emergency, all took it upon themselves individually to get in touch with any and all councillors, councillors they knew, councillors they didn't know, but to have a personal um, connection and say, hey, this is who I am, this is what we do, this is why it's important. I think I'm really, yeah, I'm really chuffed with my organisation that they really took it upon themselves to, okay, we're doing this, so let's actually do it. Also, just personally, like when I personally called a couple of councillors, I called their mobile numbers and they just picked up. (laughs) I was expecting to get a message or a secretary or something, um, but they were just available to talk and they gave me the time of day. Even the person who voted against the motion gave me the time of day and we had a 25-minute conversation and we, we obviously disagreed, but it wasn't just a matter of here's my thing and then here's your thing. We, at, well, you know, we actually talked it over and I learned some new things from speaking to him as well, which was really fantastic. So, yeah, I'm feeling pretty chuffed with our little thriving democracy at the moment. Um, I'm not sure about what happened before that, though. And as I said, like, I think there's a lot of work and maybe a bit like you, Mark, I kind of swanned in at the last moment and (laughs) I'm happily lapping up whatever glory I can take. Um, But, yeah, it just felt very, it felt very active. It wasn't just send out an email, see what happens, and then they'll make up their mind kind of regardless of what the community thinks or feels. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Stakes were higher than that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a matter of this is going to happen. How are we going to do it? Working backwards from a success. Yeah, absolutely. Which was excellent. And I, again, like I really wasn't sure that it was going to happen. Belinda, for someone who's involved with the campaign for sort of, you know, not just the the late stages, saying that with love, Eleanor, yeah, for doing the exact same thing in Port Phillip. What was it like kind of seeing the campaign evolve? And were there moments it kind of felt like, um, you know, this, this could have fallen over, this could have gone a different way? And and if so, how did you kind of save it? Oh, it totally could have fallen over. Um, and I don't know that we could have say, saved anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think this, I guess, victory is a testament to people working in cooperation and in community. I haven't lived in Glen Ira for very long. Mm-hmm. This is the first time in my life I've been a ratepayer. You know, last winter... One Saturday night I was up late reading articles about the climate crisis and I was looking at the council website and looking at their sustainability plan. It's like, yeah, they're doing some good things, but really it's not enough. They're just tinkering around the edges. Mm -hmm. 
it needs to there needs to be more why haven't they declared a climate emergency and you know looked up had was there a was there a campaign already going did somebody have a petition so i started up a change.org petition and put it on my email signature and sent it around sent it to a bunch of different facebook groups and so on and just sort of tinkered along like that and i went along to the first monash council meeting which is a neighboring municipality where I work. That motion didn't succeed the first time they discussed a climate emergency declaration. But there I met a whole bunch of people from this fantastic group that had just emerged in the previous couple of months, the Southeast Climate Action Network. So I connected with them and we stayed in touch. And one of the guys from that group, Asher, connected me with um, someone from a local environment group. I don't know if you're agnostic or like group names being used, Mark. Um, no, I love it. Okay, so it's the Env- Environment Victoria local group. So mm-hmm. I was connected with somebody from there and we had a meeting and talked about what it would take to set up a campaign. That night we had the first meeting. We had 20 people crowded around my small <laughs> apartment dining table you know, on a, a warm January evening. And that's that's when it all started. So um, I guess the Glen, Glen Ira Emergency Climate Action Network was born. And we've ever since then, we've met every two weeks, all of those these different environment and local groups like the Glen Ira Bicycle Users Group. And mm-hmm. just some incredibly passionate and knowledgeable people that have been involved. And there's there was so much energy right from the beginning. And so Anytime there's a task to be done, people just do it. There's a fantastic woman, Felicity, from the Stonington Break Free group um, and the fantastic passion and energy. They helped us put a website together and people from the Port Phillip group supported Mm -hmm. us. So all of these different um, groups from within the area and outside the area supported us all along the way. We were all so excited when um, the Jewish Climate Network started um, mm-hmm. because there was so much energy, so much passion and so much commitment and so many people who wanted to be involved. And so I would think that that really pushed it over the line. But it's also, you know, that work that the councillors have done in council, the incredible amount of work that the council's officers, um, particularly Andriana, who put in to the work for the proposal that went to the council last night and I think it was all a lot of good timing as well was the right time and lots of emails um, some good ideas from people to send out emails to our change.org petition and to our paper petition so we found out um, early in February that council wouldn't accept a change.org petition we needed to have physical signatures and postcodes oh okay so, so you start from scratch. Yeah, it's totally starting from scratch. So the very seasoned petition people in the Environment Victoria group hit the streets. I think there was only three or four days they headed down to Carnegie Shopping Strip. I did some down in Bentley and also at the Bentley Farmer's Market. So just over three or four days, collected hundreds of signatures. We ended up submitting 618 signatures, I think was the official number that we submitted to council two weeks ago. Nice. 2,000 odd signatures on the change.org petition. Although it wasn't official, apparently everyone at council was watching it. Um, (laughs) 
So it's a really, it all culminated to sort of a good result. And even though, you know, we, the EV group had just sort of done the three or four days of um, collecting petitions on the streets before the restrictions around COVID-19 kicked in. So just had, under the wire. Yeah. So it was great that we got those few days in before that all happened. Um, mm-hmm. And the last couple of sessions just had to be cancelled. There's lots and lots of work that's um, very hard to see, but a real community effort. Yeah, no, it sounds like it. And I'm sure for people listening, they'll be heartened to know that, you know, if you've got a campaign like this in progress or even in mind, you can pull together a coalition of groups from not just your area and neighboring areas, but that the climate community is is broad and deep. And you, you named a lot of groups, which I really appreciate. And if anyone listening... I would like to find out more about those groups. Well, you know, just listen back and, and Google them or uh, yeah, get in touch at hello at climactic.fm and I'm happy to pass along information or uh, make introductions as well. Um, thank you both so much for your time. I, I don't want to take up much more of it now. I know you've both got things to go and do, but um, I feel like that was a really good kind of teaser of how to run a successful climate emergency declaration and and congratulations, both of you, again, for, for a job very well done and the whole community. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. The world yeah. just got a little bit better. <laughs> what follows is a five-minute excerpt from the Glen Harris City Council meeting, and it was very hard to choose which five minutes to use because, honestly, I've never heard a city council meeting more inspiring, more engaging, and with city councillors so fired up and passionately speaking, about the climate emergency. Honestly, it was amazing to hear. So I really debated putting the whole thing at the end of this episode and stretching it out to be an hour and a half long, or to run that as a separate bonus. And I erred on the side of conservatism, making this a 45-minute or so episode and putting out a second part, a bonus episode, which is pretty much all highlights of that council meeting. Now, this is a recording of a public meeting. I'm pretty sure I'm allowed to do this. But if anyone knows differently, please do contact me. And another good reason to make it a separate episode is I can easily remove it if this isn't part of fair use of cancel recordings. But I'll definitely include five minutes now to give you a taster. And I highly recommend you go check out the rest in the bonus episode. Thank you, Council Hines. And I'll put the motion. Those in favour? Carried unanimously. Thank you. Next item is 5.2, Action on Climate Change. Councillor Silver. Most as will see, I think everybody around this virtual table acknowledges the problem of climate change. And I suppose where we differ this evening is in how we deal with this. Councillor Davey. Thank you, Madam Mayor. I will move now part two, so that Council endorses the development of an Environmental Sustainability Strategy, ESS, achieve carbon neutrality for corporate carbon emissions by 2025 and community carbon emissions by 2030. Is there a seconder for that motion? Councillor Athanasopoulos. Oh, so where to start? This is, this is big. This has been a lot of work by a lot of people to get us to this point and it, it all comes down to this discussion and, and decision. And I do just want to take a bit of time to, to share some of the thoughts that have been shared with me. What does it mean? It means carbon neutrality. It's as simple as that. It means net zero carbon emissions by 2025 for council for our corporate emissions 
and 2030 for the community emissions. Business as usual won't, won't cut it anymore. So around this table, we've all said time and time again that we want to be and we have to be a livable city. And I think option one will give us that future that we want. It falls to us around this table to, to choose to be leaders in this space, to choose option one as it, as it has been put. The, the quote that sticks with me, and I think Councillor McGee will, will giggle and smile a bit at this one, is, is from my favourite little cartoon. It's one I showed Councillor McGee, I think, at the start of this, this term. And it, it's a, an audience listening to a climate summit um, speaker and somebody in the audience stands up, you know, looking at a, a presentation that lists all of the great benefits of, of responding to the climate emergency that we're in. And the, the, the person in the audience is standing up saying, but what if it's a big hoax and we create a better world for nothing? I think I really want to be part of creating that better world and put the, the motion recommendation to you all around this virtual table tonight for consideration and support. Councillor Strait. Thank you, Mayor Zakoff. I think what we have in front of us is a very realistic plan, given the fact that Glenara councillors have the responsibility, and Glenara Council has the responsibility for the health and well-being of Glenara residents. There's only so long that we can go for without listening to the advice of pretty much every expert in this field who says that all levels of government need to take immediate action. So right now, the reason why there are councillors who are proposing and many councils around the world who have proposed to make the challenge of carbon emission a core priority of council is because it needs to be. The reason why we're proposing this is because without it, we are going to see the figure that we're being told right now is we're dangerously close to a 1.5 degree increase in global temperature. And while most people think, well, 1.5 degrees isn't all that much, for anyone who's done any of the reading on this, they understand that even at that point, that's already destroying most of the coral, coral reefs in the, in the world. That's already increasing our risk of rampant bushfires. That's already increasing our risk of, of violent weather as a result of that global temperature change. So I think we've passed the point now where a group of councils are gonna debate the science. I think we can all agree that the science is very clear. There are no serious environmental scientists out there who are disputing any of this. Long gone is the conversation that yes, there might be climate change that humans aren't to blame for. It. That conversation's finished, it finished 10, 15 years ago. So now the only conversation is how much of an effort do we want to put into this? And at the moment, we have before us the ability for Glenara to take significant action, not unrealistic action. We're not suggesting spending a huge proportion of council's budget on this. What this option one proposes is that, let's, let's get down to the nitty gritty of it. When we put out a tender, and we want people to tender for different services that council offers, we think that it should be a part of that tender process that those organisations consider their environmental impact and let us know what it is and can really only seriously put in a tender if they've addressed that. That's what we're asking for. What we're asking for here 
is the ability to move beyond the low hanging fruit. Yeah, we've already got solar panels on council buildings. We've already got the insulation in. We've already made sure that our community has, uh, you know, the state government's already assured that they've got LED lighting throughout houses. We've done the easy bits. What this is saying is we are nowhere near reaching the targets that everyone, everyone on earth needs to help us reach by doing what we've done already. Councillor Strait, do you want an extension? You've reached your three minutes. No, thank you. I'll end it there. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to Climactic, the flagship podcast of the Climactic Collective, a podcast network dedicated to lifting the voices of the climate community. You can find out more about the people behind Climactic and all the shows we produce at climactic.fm. We are a social enterprise podcast network, and we greatly appreciate your support. You can find a link to our Pausable where you can support us directly in the show notes of this episode or from our website. Thank you for listening, and from the whole Climactic Collective, keep up the great work and take care of each other in these climactic times. The Climactic Collective This show is produced by Hear Media, a boutique audio agency in Narm, Melbourne. To learn more and get in touch, head to hearmedia.studio. That's H-E-R-E media.studio. Studio.